Hi, I'm Oren McInnes. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio and welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen, we watch it and then we meet to discuss it. This week's film is Snowpiercer from 2013, directed by Bong Joon-ho, produced by Park Chang-wook, Lee Tae-hoon, Hyung Tae-soon and Stephen Nam. Screenplay by Bong Joon-ho and Kelly Masterson. Story by Bong Joon-ho. Based on Les Tres Personnages. Yeah. <laughs> okay. By Jacques Loeb, Benjamin Legrand and Jean-Marc Rochette. Starring Chris Evans, Song Kang-ho, Tilda Swinton, Jamie Bell, Octavia Spencer, uh, Ewan Bremer, Ko Asung, John Hurt and Ed Harris. Music by Marco Beltrami, cinematography by Hong Kyung Pyo, and edited by Steve M. Cho and Hyang Hyu Kim. Well done. That was a lot of names of many different places. <laughs> and the synopsis is A post apocalyptic ice age forces humanity's last survivors aboard a globe spanning super train. One man will risk everything to lead a revolt for control of the engine and the future of the world. Dum, dum, dum. In a world only Chris Evans and his beard can save us. A, a world that is literally too cool for school. <laughs> Chill out, Ricardo. Hey, here uh, comes the bus. <laughs> the bottom train is on its way. Choo choo. <laughs> Ricardo, you choo choo choos this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh god we're off to a bad start yeah very good start this week's movie was chosen by ricardo, ricardo was indeed. why did you pick this because of all the train puns that you can have uh no i picked this movie because uh, uh it has like it is an action movie uh but at the same time it is a movie that has a lot more to do than just being an action movie like uh, the the director also directed um the host, not the film with Saoirse Ronan, the South Korean monster yeah. movie. <laughs> and, uh, I was wondering why that confused me. But that's why. And he also <laughs> directed Memories of a Murder. Uh, yeah. Who, like, he has this weird way, and Mother as well, which arguably is his best movie. Uh, None of which I have seen. And all have weird tonal changes. It's like Memories of a Murder, there is like Zodiac, but with a lot of comedy in it. And the host is a socio-economic um, allegory. Hey, see how I've learned. You've been practicing that in front of yeah. the mirror uh, with a hairbrush. A socio-economic allegory uh, set in South Korea with a like monster movie uh, setting. It's really interesting. He's an interesting director. And also this movie is a complete mishmash of things that somehow they're not supposed to work. Like altogether, they... they are so desperate, des disparate, disparate yes. in uh, in things. Even how the movie begins and ends, and even how it moves along the train. Uh, that in the beginning it's really like gritty, and at the end it's like fucking seems like you're coming out of a eighties fever dream kind of like <laughs> nightclub with drugs and fucking furry <laughs> coats and shit. And interestingly, interestingly, uh, one of those things that. Uh, I hadn't planned because I am not an editor in AV Club. AV Club has a running series that started with like films from the 40s or something mm. called uh, History of Violence. 
that it takes a movie per year that is the best action movie or violent movie of that year. Oh. And for 2013, uh, he picked Snowpiercer. And interesting. He says that one of the most interesting things in the movie that he I was going to make the point. Uh, I can't remember. It's a, it's a writer. Because <laughs> Davy Club's quality is incredibly hit and miss. So yeah. some of those columns are really good and some yeah, of them are he, terrible. Yeah, this column is really good. Like even how... I think their film criticism is much better than their TV criticism. Yes, of course. And, <clears throat> uh, but for this one, like the, that running series, the, the guy that does it is really good. Uh, like even his approach to take like, something true. like First Blood and shit that like, yeah. he uses a lot about the social context of when the movie is made and why it is chosen he doesn't only pick the best movie he picks the one that most signifies what that year meant for action movies yeah so that's a really interesting genre to pick though yeah it's kind of something maybe not as explored but because it is so mainstream as well that yeah. it makes like the ones he it, picks like hard-boiled or something like the john wood movie it's like when uh, America started watching more foreign movies, so there's like a whole discussion about that, like uh, about how distribution changed, etc. It's an interesting column to to read yeah. further back. Um, for 2013, he picked, which he just got there this week because he started from the 40s or something. <laughs> out there this week. Yeah, yeah, like it oh, just came class. out, and, I was, and uh, he says the the thing that he loves most about the movie is that every actor thinks that he's in a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is hits I was the nail also in the head. That. that it hits the nail in the head, and it works completely. Like from fucking John Hurt trying to do like this. Really... John Hurt is in 1984. Yeah, like <laughs> he's trying to do like this performance and that he's is called oh, Gilliam. Like, yeah, geez. because of Terry Gilliam, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, having like this kind of like pathos, and then you have like fucking Tilda Swinton doing like a really fucked up Margaret Thatcher impression. That's not who I thought of. I'm not entirely sure who I thought of, but. Yeah, Tilda Swinton is in a whole other realm again. Yeah, like. Tilda Swinton said that her performance is a mixture of Hitler and uh, and Margaret Thatcher, and something else. Like I think it has like, um, and the character was written for a man like there's a lot like the production history of this movie is as interesting as the movie is yeah i saw a thing about harvey weinstein yeah the harvey weinstein <laughs> uh, said that this movie needed 30 minutes cut out of the movie because uh middle america could not swallow some like allegory um, yeah like thinly veiled allegory that, like, that's what, something that i really found interesting about this movie especially on repeated watches that this is the third time that i've seen this movie is that it is very front and central and obvious what the movie is about but what it says about capitalism that is obviously an allegory about capitalism is that every time that you watch it you get something more you know, it's really interesting. It, like, just the fact that the mishmash of cultures that made this movie is Korean mo- money and creatives based on a French graphic novel from the eighties. Graphic novel French? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, that's why it's like Jacques. Uh, oh was yeah. The, um, the writer uh, Jacques, Jacques Loeb. 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 Yeah. And, um, and Benjamin Legrand. And also the fact that like uh, the actors are obviously from all over the the globe, like Chris Evans and like Jamie Bell, Eddie mm-hmm. Harris, and everything. And Jamie Bell. I think that is a movie. Where's that... he from? Not Ireland. <laughs> yes, uh, but this movie like has a really it's a masterpiece of geography, uh, geographically filming places. That it is technically brilliant. And uh, in many ways that uh, I'll 
want to discuss further, even if you disagree with me. Uh, but also, it's very well controlled in its pacing. And I think that it is a movie that lives and dies for its pacing because every lull, uh, it feels earned to have like a little bit more of exposition. But even uh, there's a lot of exposition through action that is not explained. It's a very well created world that they... That <laughs> exposition they... that's not explained. Yeah, it's an exposition that like the the the... I'll get more yeah, into well, that we as can well. Yeah, we'll get to that later. But I, I just thought that it's a really interesting movie, uh, especially when I picked it after watching Cria Cuervos, and I thought it would be an interesting companion piece almost to have, like the you have Did you? like the allegory of how yeah, yeah, how yeah. like you can use like very different um, uh, Styles, filmmaking genre, yeah. yeah, and also the fact that we've dealt a lot with movies that are allegorical but about fascism and not about other uh like modes of yeah. government like ultimately communism capitalism, capitalism really yeah. is what's being skewered here so i thought there'd be a kind of hierarchical yeah system so i thought there'd be an interesting point to compare and contrast like what we've watched before uh, and this as well so uh, without further ado what did you think of this <laughs> amazing movie as well i think that the movie is cool as hell like uh uh it's definitely very cool um i liked this but i didn't love it and there are a few number of things that stopped me from loving it and really you've already said it and that is mishmash um it felt like just a lot of bits like bits all like uh, not just in 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 tonal shifts um but also in the way you're saying about like another one i was also going to say is that all the different actors and how they feel like they're in different films and they feel like they they're they are connected but only not very coherently connected i i don't think that he ultimately succeeds in containing all these disparate elements despite the fact that it is all happening in the one location it like a lot of the time it felt like like you know action and then oh a mad bit oh quiet bit back to action back to mad bit back to quiet bit and they they were only really kind of like loosely connected to each other and i felt like there none of the different elements were not one of them was kind of strong enough to carry me through the whole thing yeah if you know what i mean because this is the kind of film where, I mean, it's mad. Like, ultimately, it doesn't really make any sense. But you would go along with it entirely, and I wanted to, if I had something to kind of hold on to. And I feel yeah. like most of the characters didn't do that for me. Um, the actual story itself didn't really do it for me. Like, I, I don't know. There are bits of the script that I think are a bit ropey. There's a few clunker lines. Um, and even like some of the action scenes as well like they they were good but they weren't none of it sort of held me and and kind of like carried me through the whole yeah. thing or carried me the whole way to the front of the train as it were um so like i really wanted to be brought along by by like and i say crazy and that like makes it sound like it's just this mad thrill ride and it's not like there are other things going on here but at the same time like a lot of this is very like you know extreme and not surreal isn't the word i would some of it's surreal but a lot of it is just you know hyper stylized and and like that that's not a bad thing i don't i don't want to say that like this is all surface and i just wanted to like for you know forget my life for a while and go along with this mad journey but in some ways it felt like he almost didn't go far enough with it yeah 
um, and that he was sort of tied down by certain elements that even though he was kind of skewering them like the action genre and like his main character and everything and like so many other things that he's sort of like using but also turning on their heads he was still he was always a bit kind of mired in that that he couldn't quite break away from and to get to the kind of mad Gilliam-esque thing that I kind of wanted from it yeah. you know what I mean um, but like in saying I'll, I'll get to I'll go a bit further into into the things that, that, that sort of um, character being the main one but uh, I do want to say that, like this, this felt very, in a lot of ways, very like um, it's very entertaining, and it's it's a vision, like it is very original in a lot of ways, and that I really like watching films like this. And oh, it is unique. Oh, there's... it is, it is unique, and like you know, I want more films like this to be made. I want this guy to make more movies, um, but in the end, it just it didn't quite, um, it didn't quite like work for me, and it it felt kind of disappointing. Um, but firstly, I, I want to just want to talk about the characters because one of the, like the biggest problems I, I found was that I didn't really care about any of them. The only characters that, and in, in the end, I cared about really were um, is it Nam and Yana? Yeah. Um, like the the father and daughter, and they they were like in the end the most interesting, and I think that's kind of the point is that like they're. I kind of saw them as they're they're sort of like the glitch like in the matrix or whatever yeah. they're you know like they're they're the one element of humanity that you can never predict they're like the the outliers the in the end they're the ones well she breaks free because in the end like in every scene they are always operating at the side of this big stupid action thing that's going on with Chris Evans and his journey so you know in every scene you kind of got a little side of them and they're always kind of the ones that are either out front or behind or the side and and kind of like they're on their own little story that I find much more interesting um but they don't really get like they don't get quite enough screen time and they're gone for an awful lot of it so they weren't enough to kind of to sustain sustain me um and like Chris Evans, um, Chris Evans gets a lot of, of flack. I think um, I like him a lot um, in general. Like he's really, he's very, very watchable, and he also has a really great voice. Yeah, he has such a great voice, um, and I really liked him in this. Like I thought it was uh, it was interesting, but good casting. And you can tell that he's he was really passionate about it because he yeah, made this yeah. between uh, the the first two Captain Americas. Yeah, and uh, the director was like, no, you can't be." as big as you are because obviously he's like muscle to fuck like because uh the character what's his name um <clears throat> fuck what's his character name uh, his name is curtis curtis yeah. sorry there we go uh uh that he wanted to play curtis so much but like the director is saying like oh you can't be curtis because curtis is not meant to be like super built he's meant to be like living well, in the train of protein for 18 bars years yeah and yeah, they're all very skilled considering they've been living off them. Yeah, but they also were in the previous rebellion. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's the whole fucking Darwinian thing that is like survival of the fittest. You only see when they're being fed, but it's the, you're given the the background that every so often the food they call, shortage. Yeah, yeah. and they they they'll call them. And the thing is that uh, Chris Evans like showed up like got probably a friend or something that uh, uh, is a costume designer to dress him with clothes that was too big for him to make him look smaller yeah so like that's how they and then they use like camera tricks to make him look not as imposing because he's really tall as well and they made him like 
well, look, he has a coat height kind of thing, the way, yeah, which is, and a hat and stuff. Yeah. And it's it's a great performance, I think. Yeah, it's uh, and I even uh, how demented Jamie Bell's accent is. Like, oh I, no, I really oh, like I find that really distracting. I didn't like him in this at all. I was just like, oh god. And then so it was well, then whenever he dies, or well, you know, Chris Evans lets him die, and you're like. And that kind of ties into what was kind of boring about Chris Evans as well, because it's like, even though he's kind of, you know, it's against the whole action hero thing of that, in the end, he's not really a hero. He'll just, he's just willing to do whatever he can. And whenever that scene, whenever he lets him die, it's, I just felt kind of nothing. Like, they just, in the way that characters were developed and brought and set up, I didn't care about them. And then the way that, the flippant way that they were killed. Yeah. And then even whenever, um, uh, what's her name whenever Octavia Spencer dies and yeah. I really like her she gets this really long drawn out death and I was like eh. but like, uh, yeah, like and that it's really disappointing because even though like I know it's a I felt like I should care about them but I know you're not supposed all. to care that's the whole point of the movie and that's why I think that is genius in the way of doing it because you expect supposed to care and I thought that I, like afterwards after Watching in the first time, the, the film, I was like, I didn't care that much for the characters in my head, but I really liked the movie. I didn't have the same uh, take as you did, let's yeah. say. Uh, and I was thinking, why, why? And then when I watched it the second time, I was like, yeah, what I was thinking was correct. Is that they're meant to be completely playing their part, the way of like every person to their role. And because the, the whole revolution was planned by other people like by Ed Harris really to yeah. call or whatever that every character is just playing their part they're supposed to be in the story that they don't have any agency in really that they think they have agency but they don't and that's why like you're really attracted to the the two South Korean characters because they're yeah, well, the they ones that are, do something yeah also because they're outside the the system they're actually like living what they are because like John Hurt is doing, uh, but they're like they're Julian like they're like video game characters. You know, like whenever you have a scene in a in a video game yeah. and your characters can't stand in there and they have their kind of video game thing where yeah. they're like they're breathing or whatever, yeah. and they they do their every so often they have their particular moves that they yeah. can't do as if they're looking around or whatever. That's what all the characters are like. They're and like they yeah, the, but the, that's the whole point. I of know, the movie. but that is not very interesting. <laughs> I think that it's far more interesting it's as more, well when we get to, when we get then, to the because it it is necessary for what the movie is saying. Yeah. And I think that the movie is not just criticizing poor versus rich or something. We'll, uh, we'll get to that very shortly mm-hmm. because I I don't think that making the characters like somewhat more traditional to for the lack of a better word like created because in a way that if you have uh, Chris Evans' character would have to be more sympathetic or more leader-like, let's say, to make him interesting. Octavia no. Spencer would need more... Like, for one, the... No, like, I mean... The most interesting character, per se, without... It's the the painter guy, the the drawer. Oh, that, yeah, that, that's true. That, like, uh, there's a, a nerd writer did a video about uh, how... The, the, oh no that that's every favorite painting did one that was about the uh, left to right yeah, movement yeah. uh that he uh does one about the the artist as the records keeper that the artist is the person oh. that maintains the history of the train since they boarded because yeah. he's the person drawing and like every they have when no they're gonna go method on method of yeah, of course. Even when they're about to go on the mission, they pose like fucking civil war shit, and he yeah. does a sketch for it. Like these, this is the revol- the Cortes revolution, 
or uh, the Cortes Rebellion that they're doing. And also for the ending that when they kill the artist is that that history is gone. It's the first step for like the, the new order, let's say. Yeah. And there's a lot of things like that in the movie that are kind of like on multiple watches you start catching. And then it's that kind of movie that I feel that it really benefits from multiple watches when you know where the movie is going. Because also like you don't know, for example, that Harris is there and you're not seeing the machinations of everything has been placed for a reason. I didn't really think that. I didn't find that as like, oh my God, it's Ed Harris. Then also, oh my God, he's been marketing and starting the whole thing. I didn't find that surprising at all. But like, that's a point. That's yeah, I know, point. but okay, I, that's, we'll get to it. I, we'll get I know we'll get that to it it's not supposed to be a twist or whatever, yeah. but it's like, it was just like, oh yeah, there he is. Oh yeah, okay. It's like the whole thing that we know the whole time. We've just, it, the whole thing felt very inevitable. And, there's nothing and like as a theme I have no problem with that but it just I just had nothing to hold on to in this you know like because nothing to, to keep me I think that is a engaged in this on the first watch idea. movies generally speaking are and that's an issue with like not only with some films that we find in this podcast because it's the nature of the the format but also with film criticism that like critics go and, like they you have to write a review straight after watching a movie without having yeah like in festivals in kind of or thing. whatever it's yeah. gonna or even like uh, major releases that it's like you you write a you review watch on Wednesday Friday morning and you yeah, have to the movie's out Friday, yeah. that day is that uh, I think that this movie uh, like most films when you watch it the first time your uh, first reaction is also always emotional no intellectual yeah that's why something like blade runner you don't really enjoy the first time that you watch it because it doesn't give you the the feedback yeah but then when you watch it again and you're just because you know what it is you're able to enjoy it for what it is and then start getting where the actual benefit of the movie is and i think that this is in a way is the action version of blade runner the characters are very um almost carbon copies because otherwise the point of the entire movie, I feel, is, and we'll, I'll get your take of it after, mm-hmm. um, which is, is not the allegory of the, of both totalitarianism and capitalism that is like of worth and up, uh, of uh, upward mobility and stuff that is like skill based. That the guy that is able to move from the bottom of the train is somebody that has a very um, middle class kind of skill, like he's a violinist. So it's like you get picked out out of the rabble because you have a talent, and so on, for, so forth. That it's like you see the dentist, the the fucking scientist. There, everybody has their own place, like in society, like nowadays. That you have the as, drug, as she yeah. says, yeah. But the interesting thing in this movie is that it's not only that the whole point of the movie is that it's pointless to try to fight against the system. That the whole point of the movie is that every rebellion. It's and all even this cyclical, movie all... is that even if he gets to the front of the train, uh, they don't blow up the train. Imagine that the South Korean guys are not there, whatever. Even if Ed Harris hadn't planned for the rebellion, okay? Curtis gets to the front and now he's taken over the train. Yeah. He still has to run the train the same way the fucking uh, Will, Will, Wilford? Will, Wilson, Will. Wilford, I think it was. Yeah. He has to run the train the same way that uh, Wilford has because it's like the the tied ecosystem that it is. So obviously because of the amount of people that died in the rebellion, he would have had like maybe like 10 years, 20 years of grace, let's say, to 
to maintain because the population will be substantially smaller. Mm -hmm. But once the population grows back to a normal stage and he's the age that Harris is, he would have to do the same decisions to if it is to maintain life as it is on that train. And the whole idea is that like breaking like the... Not necessarily. The, he could become a socialist. But. Yeah, but even if you became a socialist, that's the, the whole point is that if you become a socialist, you still have to maintain the... Uh, suddenly become... Because it's limited resources. Mm. If everybody shares the same resources, it means that everybody has a little bit less. Let's say the, the, the rich people can't eat steak every day and the poor people are not just eating cockroaches, the, the protein bars. But, they were like jelly protein. Yeah. It was so it, it looks like a, a Uruguayan uh, dessert that you eat with like a cream cheese, which is amazing. And I, I always look, feel so hungry eating like uh, oh my God, looking at that. Freak. But uh, like not after the reveal that is the the fucking cockroaches, uh, but but the point is that even if it was like a socialist regime, let's say that everybody gets the same, it's still a limited amount of supplies that they have, like in the in the train. Yeah. So eventually, the population will be outgrow the supplies that they have, so they would have to do another culling, mm-hmm. or even making it. Uh, it's still like a regime that nobody has any choice. And then like suddenly like, uh, okay, there's not the suffering that there is in the back and the front and the middle, but it's still like this regime or whatever. It's the, that's why of the breakaway, the blowing up the train, the why the, the South Koreans are, uh, the, the father and daughter team are outside of the society. The only way to societies. break up the... It's because you can't win in the system by... M- messing with the system you have to break the system quite literally and you have to break a few eggs in this case 99.999 percent of what's left of humanity but um, but that's the the thing and i think that i agree with you but because the characters are what they are is that it makes that inevitable that is the the fact that even like curtis even though he says he's not the hero yeah he he's is an unwilling the, hero yeah. yeah he but like is that he, he just fools himself into thinking that because he is the that character same way that octavia spencer is the mother in in peril whatever that she wants to say for a kid and even bremer as well and all of that that i think that also as it goes along that it is like when they get to the school bit is the only time that the kids are wearing masks the same way that the guys that are in the in the the, with the hoods are wearing masks so you have this link that you're getting taught from the beginning to do your part in society the same way the cortis is the guys with the hoods are like the later version of the kids yeah and it's like that you're almost like moving backwards toward well i can't remember yeah because the assassin first and then the kids Yeah, the kids one is such a weird. <laughs> if you, if um, the train starts, oh the engine gosh. stops, we all Alison die. Pill. Yeah, Alison she's Pill amazing. At it. Made for that role. Um, she has that like weird twitchy kind of like, like peppiness. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I know what you're saying about about the characters, but I definitely know and remember that the first time I watched, um, Blade Runner, despite the fact how utterly feckless, um what do you call him, is in that... Uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is in that movie. Yeah, besides <laughs> the really weird rape scene. Uh... Well, yeah, obviously. And, like, hideously problematic. And, like, 
there are some really shocking defenses of that scene out there. But anyways, um, uh, I definitely just to mention before, like one of those doobly do things to put in the thing. I'll send you a link later on that is like a uh, an analysis of uh, predatory behavior in Harrison Ford movies. How he's always like women are keep like even sours keep going like. I don't want you, and he just keeps going, taking. Is that a new Doesn't grader? take no. Uh, no, it's a pop culture detective. Yes, I've definitely seen that though, and it's really alarming because even in Star Wars, like it's, in Indiana Jones, and the sheer amount of times that it's literally. And but then the whole twist of it, like or the yeah. whole like. Is um, that w- women when they the say women, no, the end, they mean yes, and in the end, they're they're always they always go for it because yeah. really they were just like you know it's just a front that they put up because they have yeah. to appear delicate and it's like ah, or they have to appear independent. Everything is fucked. Everything is rape culture. Thank you, white man, for telling us about this. Um, <laughs> no, I like pop culture detective. Um, uh, but anyways, like I, I know that the first time I watched Blade Runner, despite it, it is a cold and in the end you really care about anybody. But I did care about Harrison Ford's character and, and like was interested in where or it's not even about caring. It's about caring about their journey or whatever is happening to them, not necessarily liking them or whatever. Like I, I wanted to follow. Harrison Ford the whole way to the end I wasn't looking outside of what was going on of his journey the first time I watched it because the first time you watch it as you said you're kind of sort of following the plot and seeing what you know like you're you have to kind of next see where the story's going and you're not noticing maybe everything that's going on in the background but because it's like most like all these sort of like weird facade characters um it was just like eh, you know <laughs> like I, and I ended up like looking around and starting to poke holes and you know like wh- wh- how many supplies do they have like how do they clean those swimming pools and stuff like that you know what I mean like, like in this yeah and it, it's that that started really annoying me because I was like I shouldn't be thinking about these stupid things you know it's I should be thinking about the themes of it and the idea yeah. of, of what these characters mean but that is something stopped me from that and mean or meme <laughs> what these <Mean>. characters meme <laughs> um. like a what I like about this movie is that it doesn't explain that many things uh, of, like, even the revolt of the seven, like, that they go into, like, they show it's like, why did the, because he goes into such uh, detail saying that one of the leaders of that rebellion was as the Eskimo, and they were going out, it's like, obviously, the fucking uh, Wilford knew that the ice was too cold yet, so they mm-hmm. couldn't, like, if they got out, they will die, so it's like the... The entire, um, there'll be uh, a symbol of what happens if you don't trust the eternal engine, which I love that name as yeah. well. But, it's um, so steampunk, this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, uh, the, the production design is bar none. And Literally I think the, uh, steampunk. The, the fucking, like the opening action scene when they're, like they're, like what I was talking about, I'll get to the filmmaking and the, is the next question I was going to ask you. But when it comes to the, the lore, let's say, of the world, uh, of the world building, it's like even how they take the, the big fish, the the guys with the hood and mask and start like fucking putting the uh, painting their axes red yeah. with the blood of the fish. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? But I like, didn't think that was that weird. Yeah, it's not that weird. Yeah. But like other movies will go later on. It's like, oh, fish represents whatever. So this movie... 
let's it be. I didn't need that to happen. <laughs> yeah, like no, that's the the whole point. Is that time and time again, this movie does that. It doesn't like very subtly, like the the whole the two bodyguard the two bodyguards for Mason for Tilda Swinton's character there are her gay lovers and you just realize after watching it a couple of times that that's why the guy is like on a fucking like fucking terminator trip to get his revenge oh i wondered about that and uh, that is not just like oh i want you to stop is that's why he wants to murder them kind of thing yeah and I didn't notice that and also like the uh, how because that whole steam room thing was yeah. a bit mental <laughs> i was like no, but like from way before, like because the steam room came after, like when they're fighting across when the train is going around the bend, and they're shooting across from no, the bend. No, no, that's a different thing. No, like the steam room is the the, the last bit before they get to the nightclub area. So like uh, the there's steam no windows room, in that though. No, but that's like after, like that oh, would be okay. like steam room. The then shooting, the, the things. shooting across is pretty cool. Yeah, and like the whole thing with the glass and the like. You know, because I was watching it going, don't break the glass, the ice will kill you. Like, <laughs> like, that was quite, that was quite tense. Yeah. Like, the actual idea of the train and, like, the the fact that it being so cold that you can't leave the train and, and that, and that the train can't stop. And, like, that, the whole, that, the most interesting thing of this in the end ended up being the concept of it and them being trapped in this space. But it, in the end, symbolizing society and you know the train is the world as you know he so helpfully points out at the end and you're like i know i know wilford I shut up lo- ed harris i fucking love tilda swinton though like uh oh, oh yeah know. she's way better than ed harris ed harris just comes in a dress and kind of pays ed harris and talks for too long and you're like okay 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 go back go back to the interesting characters <laughs> i don't care about chris Evans. and it's like oh no you know i had to be the hero and then he was like sticking his arm in and everything and you're like oh look he became the hero that we never gonna become like, yeah but then it's like the the whole scene about him eating babies and he's like oh baby yeah, that's pretty, best that is pretty fucked up and it's like that he was gonna eat jamie bell yeah <laughs> yeah the fact that it was jamie bell and i was like why didn't you eat jamie bell <laughs> um, i just i mean i really like him jamie bell and it's just <laughs> such a waste of him because he's just like yeah yeah i really want to see a. uh, uh was a uh, fucking rock stars don't die in liverpool or like movie stars don't die in liverpool the the movie with him and uh, annette benning the like she's oh. a, uh it looks really good and i love annette benning oh, so do I. I used to hate her and then i watched uh <laughs> fucking because she's like the bitch in uh, in uh what do you call it um, american beauty american beauty yeah. yeah but now like she's the second it's least favorite th- character <laughs> in that movie there's a four thousand that's a four thousand dollar couch lester uh, um, considering the kevin spacey oh, it's god. a pedophile in that movie oh, <laughs> so it's kind of god. like um oh, god. Uh, everything has oh, he's literally ruined my childhood because yeah. i loved him and i loved the usual suspects i loved all those movies and now they're fucking ruined Thanks, I love Kevin Peter Bradshaw there goes like uh, oh Kevin I hope that uh, Kevin was it Peter Bradshaw I can't remember somebody on Twitter put like I want uh, can we retroactively delete uh, Kevin Spacey's filmography starting with ordinary uh, ordinary common criminal whatever the one that he's Irish uh, <laughs> with the uh, terrible accent ordinary common criminal well whatever the fucking like the the, the, the Irish movie it common just made me think decent of, yeah or, ordinary decent criminal there we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> like we get there eventually. Uh, we use enough adjectives, uh, but, um, but yeah, like uh, even the the little details, like the punishment that is like to take your man's arm out of the fucking. That is such a bizarre. Train. I think that might be one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, though, because it just sums up the complete 
an utter confusion of both tones and also it's the fact that you have the most amount of the weird disparate characters in the one place where you have kind of the rebels yeah. and you have John Hurt and then you have Tilda Swinton and then they finally come together and have their own little movie while the rest of the things are going on and like <laughs> and then like you the have the clock weird that they pull and the weird like like comedy of yeah. him of him putting his arm out and like after a while he doesn't even notice anymore because he's obviously lost feeling and he's just like you know, he has like this massive clock hanging and, uh, and like fucking Tilda Swinton is like oh you you put a shoe you can't put a shoe in your head the shoe has to be in the foot <laughs> but even the gestures that she makes are like uh, fucking all is about maintaining the engine going like you know how yeah. uh, it's the same movements that the kids have to do to keep the 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 engine going when yeah, the, the, the bits yeah. go extinct but like that it, um when it comes to the the filmmaking like that i wanted to get to is like what do you think uh, because like he every movie that he makes he makes it uniquely creates a language for that particular movie that's what makes him like a true tour but one that is very flexible like in uh, Memories of a Murder, everything is about long shots and uh, like, uh, whatchamacallit, ensemble, uh, ensemble blocking. Yeah. So is like who is where in the frame is where you do like the power dynamics that people like move within the frame. Uh, there's like three scenes playing within the one shot. Well, in this, there's a lot more like back and forth let's say more editing and such but at the same like time forward, it creates a forward backward yeah. i think is kind of what the way i would describe it and like it's not like even as well because like, that's in the every frame of painting where he's talking about like the left and right of the frame and everything but um even just in how everything it's it's always like the constant juxtaposition between and i think as well that like this is a lot less claustrophobic than i thought it was going to be and not just in the difference between them and like their incredibly tight little because obviously where they have their bunk beds and everything is incredibly claustrophobic and as they move forward there's more and more and more space but it's that constant thing of like these like very like perfectly composed shots looking straight down the train forwards all the time and it's like the the space going forward like contrasted with all the shots where it kind of feels like you've flipped around and it's always big fucking massive group shots of them and they're always like in very like it's (sighs) I thought it was interesting, but it wasn't like as is. It wasn't as striking as I thought it was going to yeah. be. You know what I mean? Because I kind of thought like dystopian film set in a train, and like thinking of other films that are set in trains, and like the kind of unique things. I don't know anything about how they made this, by the way. Um, uh, they they shot it in a, a massive studio in Prague, which oh. makes it really strange. Like just the idea of them like leaving set to just drink Going absinthe in Prague like snowy snowy Prague yeah I don't know why it's snowy Prague I'm just assuming it was cold when they shot it there um but uh yeah obviously like you know they're 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 sets or whatever but um yeah like I thought it was interesting I didn't think it was like visually incredible or yeah. or anything um I think that it's more like the structure that he gives uh, the same way that my brother complained on the on uh, when we watch Memories of a Murder, that he goes, oh, I heard so much about how it shot, and uh, there was only one shot that really struck me, you know. Yeah. And it's like that's not what he does. He's not like a show. He's not a fucking Bernardo Bertolucci that is like, look at this and things. It just a matter <laughs> of of feeling and uh, and 
but even like the what I was talking about geography early on, the no point you don't know where they're they are in the train. You always know how far they are from their objective. Yeah, you know, and how far they've come, which is kind of important as well. But also like the decision of like the the how to you the forward and back are always presented as decisions, and the the back and forth that like every frame of painting uh, alludes to. But also uh, the the moment that he decides to use slow motion versus regular motion, mm. let's say, um, changes the context. And each action scene is its own little film, almost a short film that has a structure that you don't see in Hollywood anymore. That you understand where they are, where they're going. Like the, when the fucking lights go off, when they go through the tunnel, and you see the the fucking uh the the train people just trying to hack at the darkness and you see completely powerless and you see the the masked men just like fucking impaling them one by one they don't really kill that many of them though yeah because they are absolutely like being fucking uh greedy about it that they think that oh yeah the the tunnel is really long so victory is ours until the fire comes in Mm. like they don't think that they have to rush because they don't understand like they're didn't predict that the fire would come in and that's why Ed Harris says at the end what an inspired movement yeah move and that fucking when you know Brandman is like running with the fire uh, like that is almost like fucking relay race like Olympic torch it's kind like of thing the Olympics yeah. yeah that's all I thought especially with like the little kid and everything as well it's like... and when you see the fire in the background and like uh, people getting in and whatever and then you see like more torches coming it's like a really good movement moment Especially the the first action scene that there that is almost like a heist movie, like a very short heist movie. Yeah. That is like, oh, I ha- we have to get this through these seven doors in twenty seconds, and you know exactly where the characters are in that moment and where they have to be, what the obstacles are, what happens if they don't get those obstacles, even like the the build up up to the moment that Chris Evans puts his head. And the gun and goes like they have no bullets, and the action scene begins. And I think that it's a form of filmmaking that is kind of like rare nowadays. They it's either kind of something like the raid that is like a very long shot to show that we've done all the action, mm. or fucking Michael Bay style or Taken style <laughs> that <laughs> is <laughs> cut, 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 cut. There is a little bit of of that. Like everything within the fight scenes is very, very closely shot like especially whenever they're fighting the assassins and everything and there is an awful lot of editing in there like so like i think that fight scene it's kind of hard to know what's going on yeah but like you have the the peck and pot moment that is like when they're really close quarters that it's meant to be that you don't know where they're standing because they're like trying to press against like two opposing forces let's say when they're starting but once it, the you break when they break through the first layer it cuts to the side shot that is very fucking old boy um, mm. that is like on the side and then it cuts back to Chris Evans having the decision do I go forward or back but there's more than one moment there before the decision with Jamie Bell that like he's doing that and I think that is well, yeah he has a number of them throughout each sort of section yeah. as well and you can kind of see that it's like you know the hero moment and he never picks it he always yeah. chooses to go forward the meaning of the polar bear at the end uh, it was the, my next question what do you think it symbolizes Oh, well, that it's getting warmer. But so, I mean, like, and it, that, that's the thing is that, like, 
it's double-edged because it's positive in a way because the earth is clearly able to like sustain life now but at the same time that polar bear is gonna kill them yeah. so like you know it's not it's not great like you know yeah. what I mean? but uh, like in a way it's positive because the earth really fully has reset now yeah. you know what i mean that it's not just locked forever as an ice block it's done it's, it is an ice age it's the same yeah. thing of that like we went through however much but you know much shorter than previous ice ages um and eventually life will start again probably life so, finds a way well yeah it's like you know we're like yeah, i do think i do agree with you <clears throat> that like the cameo the other harris cameo especially because it's so held until the end kind of thing the that he's not even in the credits of the movie that is meant to be as a surprise that oh there's Ed Harris uh, I wish it was a more kind of like weird actor like if yeah, it was like was if it was Jeff Goldblum a... or something oh my god that's exactly how I was thinking um, <laughs> just cause like you said life finds a way but <coughs> although in saying that about the polar bear where, where would the polar bear have come from I'm sure the polar bear would have had to be in it the whole time so really it's not hopeful at all Anyways, um, because <laughs> polar bears can't just spread out of the yeah. ground like seeds, you know? Um, like a, a piece of grass. <laughs> just... Yeah, like some seriously fast evolution there. But um, uh, so, yeah, really, it's just depressing. But, like, um, if it was like fucking even Anthony Hopkins or something, when it, like on a paycheck roll. Uh, like... that's a bit, it's a bit Westworld then. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I was, I was kind of disappointed because he's just sort of Ed Harris, you know what I mean? He's not. He's you kind of, especially to like sustain that you know quite long little sequence where he's in that you know and like the the actual place that they're in is quite it's very you know Kubrick and kind yeah. of with like the weird and old they use the color and, as well that is gray you move from yeah. gray to green to yellow to red to white yeah it's 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 really interesting and he's just I don't know he's he's fine but he, they could have gone really crazy with yeah. that and like so you have this like strange pristine like box um where like you know chris evans is there like refusing to eat the steak i know i do principle but like eat the steak um <laughs> and like you know you have this complete madman like yeah. you know in this pristine box and then like that then itself but the, contrasted the with everything that's going that on he's outside. a madman that, that, that's well no not not part. a madman but like um it's just some someone a bit i mean the thing is is that you don't have to be completely insane to be that character, but you have to be a bit fucking weird to be the guy that built that train yeah. and has been living in that weird scenario. You know, ultimately as quite far, lonely as uh, well. Yeah, as far as we oh, as far as we can make out, not really venturing very far into yeah, the train. Yeah, because he either. has to he has to create the 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 idea of the mystique, yeah. of being like. The and god, the, the great kind of thing. engine, yeah, of, of uh, yeah, and, and like creating some sort of omniscience. But but also it's because why he decided to let Cortis move to the forward front of the train once like the balance was broken, because yeah. he realized that Cortis had to kill him for the train to continue, because yeah, his it's... mystique was gone. So they needed the next god. So Cortes would become the next dictator, let's say, and to go in. And it would begin of this idea of like the pure leader then because he yeah. fought for it and he did it all for Yeah, them. and they ha- he has the 20 years <laughs> of the the reset that all the, the killing, like now they have more resources per person, let's say, to, to go in. But like my biggest problem, gripe with her performance in it is that it feels completely lifted out of the Truman Show. Like he's doing Kristoff again. That is like yeah. the the lonely god kind. Of. And I think that it might be like Bon Joon Ho's decision to like cast him 
because of I the Truman see, Show. Yeah, I kind of think so. But at the same time, it makes him a lot less interesting, which I find the other characters interesting in a way, structurally more than personally, let's say, because they, they're so well cast, with the exception of Jamie Bell, for oh, their... For what they're fucking Edgar. <laughs> so he was in he was in another film again. He oh yeah, yeah. Like, like everybody's in a different he movie. He was in like fucking Oliver Twist, but you know, like yeah, like Streets it, of Ballymun. Uh, fucking like, Ed, Ed, <clears throat> Ed Harris's Bantry, uh, not Ballymun. Ed Harris's uh, female assistant like comes out of a fucking sixties Bond movie. Yeah. Even like how she's holding like the gun when she shoots people and shit. Uh, See that she was a bit Black Mirror somehow as yeah. well. Like there, it's there's just and then like. There's just like 17 different things going on here at any given time. <clears throat> yeah, and even like anything that's on a train with guns as well just makes me think of every action movie ever. So every Bond movie, like Mission Impossible, like yeah. everything, you know, it's... It's nearly as good as Under Siege 2. <laughs> I'll bet it is. Um, <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, yeah, like, uh, uh, the, the, that pretty much sums up the... the, the I thought that would be like an interesting... A movie oh, to, yeah. to, like, it was to a look at. Fucking riot! Like, yeah. I was just watching it, like, what? <laughs> like, um, well, I did enjoy it. I just, just in the end, I just couldn't quite. I mean, I would be willing to watch it again. Yeah. Because I didn't feel, uh, I felt frustrated with it, but not to the point at which you know I didn't hate it. I was, yeah. wasn't like, oh, this is completely pointless. It absolutely flies by as well. It's not. Oh like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a zippy movie. Like and. It's funny because it, it dives right in as well. Like you get a little bit of kind of like, which I always hate the the little title, yeah. at the, start, you know, the little uh, expo- exposition at the start, uh, <laughs> the slow crawl. Yeah. But um, once you get over that and you're you're just in the train and it's you're already within their first their first. Uh, and also the music in the beginning is really quite fucking cool. Like the music in this movie is one of those old school kind of scores that is overwhelming but not it doesn't overstay its welcome either what's your favorite thing about the movie probably tilda swinton yeah because you know, i'm like saying tilda she's just like i love her like in basically everything like i watched michael clayton at the uh at the weekend which actually it was funny thinking it like watching that and like uh Kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder, does it hold up? You know, after yeah. all this time watching, just being like, oh, no, no it holds yeah. up. Besides the the whole subplot about the restaurant that is like, what the uh, fuck yeah. is going like, on here? I don't know why, what it is about how people always want to invest. Never invest in restaurants. It's not an investment. It's a money suck. Like, yeah. it's a bad investment. But uh, as what he comes says in the newsroom, <laughs> restaurants are bad investments. Anyways, uh, but she's just great in everything. Yeah. You know, and, and like... You, you really even like she's such a strange alien looking woman yeah. in 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 everything she, like in in real in, life in she's like like paul rudd as well she hasn't aged no, a year in the no, last 20 30 no. years like and like when you see her she's not like say gary oldman who does loads of makeup or whatever yeah. she is weird looking in real life but she manages to like transform for every like you think if i well, do that's why she'd be perfect to play bowie the same way that Kai Blanchett would be perfect to play so Bob Dylan. Like, uh, she actually was, but we don't talk about that. Um. <laughs> Bob Dylan! Yeah, but <laughs> the thing with uh, Tilda Swinton in this movie, the, uh, apparently she really wanted to go 
batshit crazy with the character that like she like she was trying to convince like the director to have like a hump and not a leg and everything like the like apparently they were like complete like the, her they teeth had, were even bigger they had to reel her in yeah they had it. it's still like th- what's in this movie is the like toned down version of mason but it's great like but she ma- takes out the teeth like and also it's that the the the, the character was oh. written for a male character yeah. and like a big like <coughs> like second in command kind of like brute and they didn't change the script they just got tilda swinton to just go bananas on it oh it's so, so much like, better imagine the the like the shoe on the thing is meant to be like threatening and it's like oh you are a foot you know <laughs> kind of the but it's so ridiculous that you need tilda swinton to be like you <laughs> like, the water doesn't go into the, <laughs> the bum it goes into the mouth <laughs> so bizarre but like my favorite thing in the movie is the fact that everybody's in a different movie <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like even the extras in some moments like the extras are so- somewhere else like i love a movie that no matter how oh, flawed it can be because this movie is not perfect but no movie made this way can be perfect like it, <laughs> it, it, if it was perfect it'd be the greatest movie of all time because like it can't make <laughs> but like it takes such big cojones to like oh, to yeah. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. you're like oh yeah th- this is what we're gonna do okay bear with uh, me bear like, with me we're gonna rehearse i don't speak english to begin with so i don't know <laughs> so i don't know what you guys are saying <laughs> but... <laughs> oh my god oh jesus that explains so much um that is kind of like karis mackie i suppose as well though he has the thing of um uh, well he does, what is it where he gets them to perform in languages they don't speak? What's that? What is it that he does? Oh yeah, the uh, he you get them to to learn the language phonetically and oh, not tell yeah. them what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of makes me think it's something that um, Yorgos Dantamos not he doesn't that's not what he does, but that's yeah. almost what he gets yeah. out of his actors as well. Um, yeah, like uh, what was your uh, least favorite thing? Uh, my least favorite thing uh, I recognized uh, Ed Harris as a, like a wasted opportunity I, I don't yeah. have as much issue as you do with the character but I think that it's just like even with Ed Harris if Ed Harris had shown up with like his performance in The Rock that is just like <laughs> somebody then but the problem is that like he's like that in The Rock because he knows he's working with Michael Bay so it's kind of that like he just yeah. like there's a whole video of him going absolutely apeshit like staying in character after somebody fucks up in the shoot and you're like playing like a corner or whatever he starts kicking a table until he broke his foot or something like it's insane and like i want that ed harris in this movie because you expect wilford to be like this calm collected guy whatever the same way that is this but if he was like the guy that is like fucking mental like as well like fucking pasty white almost vampiric or whatever you know like yeah I, yeah, I, I do think that they did take the wrong person from yeah. Westworld. <laughs> that Anthony Hopkins kind of yeah. gets that. But like Anthony Hopkins on a paycheck, bro. The the kind of <laughs> when he's trying like Transformers Four kind of performance, <laughs> is you it know, four or five, five, five whichever yeah. the fuck is then, like that kind of performance that is like you just see the money rolling in the back, but it would be it'd be more apt in a way, or like Michael Caine, like in his Harry Brown kind of mode that is like <laughs> kind of you know kind of like just Tangerine. just go 
go ham with it you know this is the hamiest yeah. movie that you yeah, can possibly make that's not what and, Harris is doing it's yeah. really strange it doesn't feel right somehow yeah. yeah I know what you mean I was very disappointed by that whole sequence not just because I was really bored of Chris Evans at that point even though I love him he does oh my yeah. god I would have Chris Evans read uh, like the phone book to me like <laughs> it's just oh god he is a perfect Captain America it's one of those like oh, he, yeah, he's yeah. Mr. USA like uh, yeah but like uh, that's just funny as well this is the only movie that I've ever found him attractive yeah like when you see oh, it, it, it just uh, oh, just text him going Orla needs you to eat baby <laughs> same movie <laughs> <laughs> with a beard and a hat and a nice jacket like a little beanie like <laughs> uh, what was your least favorite thing was it Ed Harris as well or was it um... uh, yeah probably I just the overall feeling of disappointment. Oh, okay. <laughs> but probably Ed Harris, because he was kind of like the culmination of it, really. But, um, yeah, like, I did like it, but just, you know, didn't didn't love it. But it was yeah. it was a good pick, because it is something completely mental. And something very different to anything we've done before as well, but really yeah. different to any movie that had gone before, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, like, uh, there's not a lot of movies that uh, the movie takes a little pause in an action scene to have <laughs> the, the main new, character... The new year. <laughs> to not only the new year but for the main character to slip on a fish <laughs> in really slow motion I uh, like if it was a banana peel kind of moment like fucking charlie brown kind after, of after he has like a little victory as well yeah he like slips. he just kills like so, some dude <laughs> and then fucking but yeah I, I i like this movie but i like i know how flawed it is but it's entertaining like it's the kind of movie that like like high noon was you know like i know that there's like there's a reason why high noon is high noon but hollywood in general used to like turn over a lot more movies that were interesting within a itself concept yeah I would've... even like something like die hard or so like would be you know um that it's you like the, the think... working class hero that you, you don't have... think geostorm comes under that <laughs> oh, just... no i really want to see geostorm but that's because i love shitty movies but like and i just want to see Sherhar butler be brothers to dream surges and for them to be like fucking astrophysics like both of them like no uh it's like fucking i i can believe dennis quaid being a physicist oh totally like, totally jared butler i can't even believe jared butler is like a human being never mind like <laughs> Like, like Jared Butler is a walking Calvin Klein ad, and there's like a man of tomorrow or whatever. Like that, he's that ad. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was Snowpiercer, and uh, really, really interesting. And like, I, I don't remember very much about it whenever it came out of like um, hype or anything. So I don't yeah. know if many of you have actually seen this, but go watch it because it's actually it is great. It's just mental. Uh, <laughs> Uh, where can they find us on the recommendation game on facebook at the rec game on twitter the recommendation game at gmail.com you can also support independent radio by donating to the dublin digital radio patreon 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 and uh you can also find us in real life but uh we i have an undisclosed conversation (laughs) you can take selfies with me and you can say that i look like louis suarez um (laughs) You can lie to your friends on Snapchat. Yeah. So uh, that was this film's week. And next week's film is our anniversary. One year anniversary. (gasps) Number 52. No one thought we'd make it this far. Especially not us. (laughs) But here we are. 
one year and what a year so uh, it's Orla's pick because it was the look of the draw and I realized that uh, I'll have to mess around with guesses to make sure the next anniversary is mine because otherwise if we just do it even it's always going to be you because 52 is an even number but I know I'm sure we'll have guests next year that will knock that all off so what's your um, pick uh, it's Children of Men from 2006. Yeah, I, yeah, 2006. Eleven um, years. Yeah. Um, which, uh, I, well, we can get into next week why I picked it, but um, I think it's an important movie for yeah. the two of us, and uh, all going well. We'll have lots to talk about. So, cool. Join us next week for our birthday special, which will probably be a longer episode. Happy birthday to me, <laughs> us, the recommendation game. <laughs> we need to make a cake. Yeah. Alright, cool. Well, I was Ormagenus. I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Ta-da.